Welcome back to Safe Talk with Safe Start. I'm Tim Page Botter, if your host, and today I'm joined with our podcast partner, Danny Smith. Danny, how you doing? I'm doing well, Tim. Uh, as a uh, very wise older gentleman I used to go to church with years ago would tell me every Sunday morning, you know, I, I woke up this morning, I, I looked at the newspaper, I read the obituaries, and hey, my name wasn't there. So it's going to be a great day, you know? Uh, well, that may seem a little morbid to our listeners. Uh, I think it actually gives us a bit of a good perspective on life. I mean, no matter what's going on, and we all have a lot going on right now, uh, every every day can be great, right? Yeah, and I like that perspective. We were just talking just before the podcast on how busy our lives are, what the work we've got going on. But I bet you both of us, I know both of us would, we're rather blessed with the amount of work that we've got. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to change a thing. So anyway, we all got the same 24 hours. So what is it that we do with them? I could pretty much tell you that what we're going to do with the next 30 minutes or so is talk about our human factors framework. Actually, more specifically, we want to talk about how we could use that through a process we've developed called safe factor. Yeah, and I, I'm really excited about Safe Factor. Uh, one of the great things about this process is it's just a great tool for organizations to use to identify gaps in their existing processes and systems. And as we've talked about the human factor framework, you know, sometimes seeing a diagram of the model might be helpful for some folks, particularly if they're more visually oriented learners. I know I tend to be that way myself. Um, and if you're if that's you, you can go to our website, www.safestart.com, and then in the search engine, you can just type in Human Factors Framework, and then pull up the white paper that's associated with this. Or, heck, for that matter, you can just uh, go to your favorite search engine, whatever it is, and type in Safe Start Human Factors Framework, and it's probably going to pull the white paper up on that as well. That's a really good suggestion, Danny. I, I have to say I'm a visual learner, too. But... Even if you don't have access to that right now, we'll walk you through the basics of the framework verbally here on the podcast. I just sure. will say this for reference. If we see, if you see, you can't really see it, but we might be lifting our hands up left. We might be lifting our hands up right. We'll try to explain it to the best of our ability. And I know as instructors, the both of us are, <laughs> we do the best we can. So that way you can have a vicarious experience. But um, one of the first things you're going to notice is it's made up of two interconnected loops. We call these learning loops. On the left-hand side in black is the organizational learning loop. Then over there on the right-hand side, and that will be in blue, is the individual learning loop. And we use gears, or you might call them cogs, to represent different components of the learning loops as the systems and people are intertwined. Yes. And, and the top half, if you go over on the, as you said, on the right side, the blue side, uh, the individual learning loop, uh, really the top half of that cog is made up of what we would call some internal factors. Uh, those are some things like fatigue. That may be one. Uh, perhaps distractions. A lot of other things that could be included there as well. These internal factors affect our thinking and, by extension, our decision-making. And that happens often without us even realizing the impact that those internal factors have on us. So, Danny, I think for our listeners' sake, it's within the internal factors that, among other things, you'll find the states of safe start, like sure. rushing, frustration, fatigue, and complacency. 
included here as well would be those things like overconfidence. And then we've added distraction and decision-making and risk perception and even relying on your own memory. Absolutely. Relying on memory is uh, that's just a huge issue for a lot of folks. In fact, I'm working on a new conference presentation talking about uh, how we rely on memory so much. Uh, in fact, I was working on it earlier today, right before we recorded the podcast here. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't even tell you how many things, how many important things that I have forgotten through the years only to remember when it's too late. You know, uh, you think about things like a, an important report uh, that has to be filed by a certain date that you forget that by one day. I mean, it's, it could be bad, you know. I'm sure everybody can relate to the fact that mailing a specific document on April 16th is <laughs> not as good as mailing it on April 15th. And I think everybody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about there. You know, those internal factors and thinking, that cog, they really drive our actions. Uh, I like to say it's how and why we do the things that we do on a daily basis. But if you're thinking of it in broader terms, as, as Aristotle said, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. In other words, we can take what we learn in the individual loop and then apply that in the organization learning loop. And by doing that, really, that benefits the organization as a whole. Then. Um, exactly. I'm going to tell you right now, I know you've done it because we've talked about it, but I wonder how many of our listeners have actually taken something important and they visualized a location that's of equal or more importance, and they placed this important item in that location to only think later on, I'm going to remember where I put that important piece because I created this important location. Sure you will. And then, of course, what happens? You forgot where you put or you actually created this important location, therefore forgetting where you put that important information. We refer to that at our house, hiding it from yourself. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Um, we also know that, uh, you know, Kevin and, and Larry also mentioned that your your brain is not a fail-safe device, and I know Absolutely. exactly what that means. So over here on the left-hand side of the model, we're actually going to find the organizational learning loop. And the top gear, COG, this one's also broken down into two sections. We call them the technical systems and people systems. So that makes up one COG, the systems, Okay. So the technical systems is where a lot of our traditional hierarchy of controls would fall. But it goes beyond that and includes other things like equipment, engineering, even processes that might be included with engineering or even procedures. And you might find the overall safety management systems of an organization here. So anything like ISO 45001 or ANSI Z10, if you've got those things in place, they fall into the systems cog. What we found is that most workplaces have a lot of this already in place. And in fact, they're usually doing a pretty good job with most of these. Now, the other half or bottom section of that cog, that represents the people systems. Here would be things like supervisors and the skills that they possibly might possess or need. And overall organizational culture, which, again, might include things like employee engagement or the lack thereof, mm -hmm. and would also encompass things like the dynamics of individual work teams or even committees. So if you've got a safety committee or a joint committee or maybe even better, a unionized committee, those are all individual work teams and they fall under people systems. So that bottom gear represents 
what you could say is literally the bottom line. Right. Now, the bottom line to us is we refer to it in several, several presentations is called outcome reliability, what you're actually trying to get to. This is where you're going to typically find KPIs, things like metrics. Now, keep in mind, these are not limited to just safety. You'll actually find things like quality, customer relations, culture, and productivity. So let's stick with this idea for a moment, Danny. Maybe an example would be helpful here. Do you have one? Sure. Uh, let's go back to uh, the early days of when I started out as a safety perfection, uh, professional. In, in fact, uh, this was probably not long after I transitioned from operations management into safety. Uh, the group I used to work with, we ran some machinery that was essentially like a, a big correlation type machine. We'll take multiple pieces of paper advertising and then nest them together to be mailed. (laughs) So wait, hold on. You were the one that's filling up my mailbox? Well, we were one of the groups who presented you with great cost-saving opportunities and incredible deals from our wonderful clients who were advertising with us. Okay, (laughs) yeah, we helped fill up your mailbox. Anyway, uh, I digress a bit, all right? Uh, One of the... Older features of these machines, which really started out as uh, newspaper inserting machines, was what we called the needle. They were these little short, almost, I don't know, maybe an eighth inch long at the most, little spikes, almost like thorns, you know. And what they would do is they would grip the bottom of the piece of paper that was being moved out into the track of the machine, help move it out into the main track. And as the machine cycled each time, these would drop down, and then as the machine cycled forward, they would raise back up again, catch that piece, and move it into the track to get the idea. Uh, it was guarded on all four sides, and then the materials moved to the point of operation, and that kept anybody from getting injured on it. But one night, we had this really, really small piece of material that, honestly, it seemed too small for the machine, but, you know, I, putting my mind in the uh, kind of the mindset of the operators and the, the people there on the machines, it had been brought out to the line. Everybody assumes it's okay to run it, right? The problem was the only way it could be run was for somebody to lift one corner of the back corner of the machine of the machine of the material up a little bit and help hold it in place, almost like a force feed type situation. I'm sure you probably already know where this is going, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't take long until an employee got just the tip of their index finger on the right hand nick and i mean barely even a scratch just a little nick there uh not really thinking about how she got that little cut she looked at a co-worker and said hey i'm going to go grab a band-aid real quick can you watch my station here on the machine now, don't get ahead of me okay you guessed it soon we had nicked finger number two yeah employee number two now is going to get a band-aid and looks at somebody next to them, employee number three, and, well, you guessed that as well, right? Mm. Well, you thought somebody would hit the stop button after going for the second Band-Aid, but no, everybody wanted to keep the machine running, and it really wasn't a production over safety issue. Everybody was just trying to do a good job. Well, the third person ended up with a couple of stitches because they got caught a little more severely than the first two. And again, it's not as though anybody was just saying, okay, we're not going to be concerned with safety. It's just they were trying to do a good job and trying to help cover their coworkers. If we'd only learned from the first little nick, we could have avoided this employee getting hurt and having to have stitches. So, in fact, it's part of a 
good culture, I guess you could say, of wanting to do a good job. And that may have actually stopped us from stopping before trying to run the piece or maybe stopping after the first minor cut, certainly after the second. But I think it's interesting. We often only think about the negative internal factors affecting us, but the positive ones can as well, right? Yeah, that's that's a good point. So on the individual learning loop side, I guess you had a bit of overconfidence that sure. affected decision-making. Sure. Sounds like some healthy pride in their work and wanting to do a good job was involved as well. I mean, I'm guessing there was a bit of retraining that had to go into this for sure, but it also sounds like the culture was really good in a really good state. But there were some holes you needed to talk about with everyone. So how did that translate into the organizational learning loop? Well, you know, when we go back and we review the situation, uh, we had to make sure, first of all, uh, that everybody from the person entering the order uh, to the folks who were receiving the material in on our docks, uh, to the operators running the machines, uh, that everybody uh, clearly understood that they could question pieces when they were out of you know, the size specification. Uh, we obviously went back as well and looked at the machinery as well uh, and looked at uh, things like you know working with the machine manufacturer to eliminate those needles, as we call them, uh, to give us a, a different method to feed the machines. And really, they, they weren't that applicable to our, our piece that we were running anyway. That was just a kind of a traditional thing that had been on those machines from, from the newspaper industry. But you think about that. Uh, looking at uh, you know the systems with the operators, the people receiving, the people putting the orders in, all of that kind of feeds over into the individual side of things. Uh, but it also goes into those people systems over on the left-hand side in, in, in the organization learning loop. And certainly looking at things like working with the machine manufacturer, that goes back and looks at the equipment, which is a part of those technical systems, right? Uh, so, again, the, the sad thing is we, we didn't have to get anybody hurt to notice the issues. We missed some opportunities in both learning loops. Exactly. Nice. Thank you for putting that in there. Um, one of the key questions you should ask when analyzing any incident is, who else needs to know? If it's just a matter of complacency, could you share your experience with others, help them from becoming complacent? Or could an adjustment of a procedure or even a new procedure or guarding might have been needed? Leveraging that personal learning loop into the organizational learning loop to improve outcome reliability is what the human factors framework is really all about. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's also kind of foundational to, we mentioned earlier, safe factor, our new safe factor process. Uh, over the past few months, we've developed this. Uh, new tool to help analyze situations through the lens of the human factors framework. And, and we're really, really excited about the addition of this to our lineup. It's been fun working along with you. I mean, Danny, I know you and, uh, you know, Matt came up with this idea of maybe a year ago, and I'm telling you right now, just being a part of the team and just being, you know, seeing how this is developed. And I'm, I'm already hearing from customers that they're saying it's a home run for them as well. Yeah, and what we're finding, again, is it's just a very practical way to that we can apply those concepts from the human factor framework so that it's not just, a, you know, a theory, if you will. Uh, it, it's applying them to real-life specific situations. 
And again, it provides a way to evaluate existing processes, systems, and examples to clearly identify those gaps, uh, both on the organizational and the individual learning loop system. Uh, in turn, worksites then are able to take uh, and, and target specific skill development objectives. Uh, it may be a need for better supervisory communication. Uh, it could be learning a new habit, like we've talked about in SafeStar for years. Uh, or it could be implementing a strategy just to improve overall long-term culture by affecting the day-to-day climate of the facility, right? That's right. That The Human Factors Framework, and it is a lens or a tool, mm-hmm. does enhance communication across systems, across the board, both for the organization and the individual. And just think of the example you gave earlier of the Nick Fingers. I wonder how much attention that usually gets. Yeah. Uh, if that person had cut their finger off, that would have received a ton of attention. Right. Why wait for a serious injury or fatality? We kind of refer to them as SIFs when that same lesson is available with just the Nick. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And if our listeners would like more information about this, uh, about the human factors framework or safe factor, uh, they can get that from their accounting executive or they can email either one of us and we'll get them to the appropriate person. For me, that's Danny at safestart.com or Tim's is easier by two letters, Tim at safestart.com. <laughs> um, and the, the thing is, uh, we want to make sure everybody understands, you know, the framework itself, uh, safe factor itself, uh, those are not really solutions. Those are just things that help point us to solutions, right? And so they're great, great diagnostic tools to use to help to evaluate, again, the systems that you have in place. And just come back and look at them a little bit differently, right? That's right. Danny, thank you for that. I, let's go back to that Charles Kettering quote. He said, uh, problem well stated is a problem half solved. Right. And I think that's exactly what we're trying to get here with, uh, with a little bit better understanding of the human factors framework and you know what talking about it as a lens as you put it danny earlier is important because you put this lens on then you start to see things almost like that secret decoder ring that ralphie was trying to get to (laughs) (laughs) it sure does help out it helps out a lot of safety professionals and after you know delivering this through safe factor a lot of customers have already said oh my gosh maybe there are some deeper dive in issues that we need to get to so Danny, that's our time for today. And on behalf of Danny and the entire Safe Talk with Safe Start team, thank you all for listening. And don't forget, if you've got a topic or someone you'd like to hear from on the podcast, you can email us about that as well. Until next time, I'm Tim Page-Botterf, and that's Danny Smith for Safe Talk with Safe Start. We'll see you down the road.